A sermon for Sunday the 17th of January 2021, based on the readings 1 Samuel 3 verses 1 to 10, Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 to 10, and John chapter 1 verses 43 and 51. Well, this is my third winter since I arrived here from the balmy south, and I must admit that the novelty of all this thick snow is beginning to wear a bit thin. But I know that our organist, Chris, has been taking advantage of the conditions, particularly on steep slopes near his house. In homeschooling his sons, he's been introducing them to the concepts of potential and kinetic energy. In other words, they have been sledging. In fact, rumour has it that Chris is the first one to slide down the slopes, saying, like any good father, follow me. I imagine that in normal times, Ben and Lawrence and Chad would then go off to invite their friends to join in the fun, saying, come and see. Sadly, in lockdown, that's not so easy. But the principle is there. If we discover something good, we want to invite others to make the same discovery. And as we've just heard, Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Philip then told Nathanael about Jesus, saying to him, Come and see. On meeting Jesus, Nathanael said to him, You are the Son of God. What a sequence. We're looking at this story today because it is a clear example of all that the Epiphany season is about. Last week we recalled the baptism of Christ, when the voice from heaven was heard to say, You are my Son. Next week, we will revisit the wedding at Cana in Galilee, where water was turned into wine. This was the first of Jesus' signs, by which he revealed his glory. Truly, this man was the Son of God. Jesus is saying, follow me to us too, and he's calling us to say to others, come and see. Our hope is that they also would acknowledge Jesus to be the Son of God. So today is a good opportunity to be thinking about how God is calling how God in Jesus is calling us to follow him in his service. For most of us, this will involve thinking how we can continue or develop the part we play in the life of our local church in order that the church can make a difference in the life of the wider community. For all of us, what we do is for God's sake, which just happens to be the title of a book I have been reading. This book, For God's Sake, explores how the traditional Anglican commitment to local prayer, presence and service can be maintained. It may have been written five years ago, but its message fits perfectly to the current situation we all face. How is any parish church to meet the challenge presented by the perfect storm created by the ongoing effects of the virus? A chapter of the book is written by Rowan Williams, who says, The church, both the building and the community, can't help taking up space in the world. But it takes up space not for its own sake, but for the world's sake, always insisting that that space is everyone's. I would suggest this 
echoes the relationship between the churches of our benefice and the wider communities they each serve, Richmond, Hudswell, Downholm and Musk. Hence the vision statement, a people and a place where love works. Rome Williams continues, Our society retains an awkward and inarticulate sense of a church-shaped gap. So we're there to guarantee that there is room for something not fully understood, and where there is a deep desire for a connection to be kept open on everyone's behalf. OK, many church buildings are currently locked, so our task is to keep open what they represent, to maintain that connection with the local community through the way we each interact with the community, whether in person or virtually. Now, really, Rome Williams goes on, Hence, the church can, can touch people in their depths. But we should be wary of suggesting that the proper response is commitment, regular belonging. It is tempting for the church to exploit contacts, to force paces. But for a lot of people, a lot of the time, what matters is the basic assurance that the channels are still open. As we do church, primarily online these days, we really have no idea who our church community now includes. But the message has to be that we are delighted people are joining us from near and far, whether live or later, and we hope that when they choose to come and see, God is able to touch them in their depths. Rowan Williams then warns, Being wary of forcing paces should not mean that our identity as the church is passive. But attempting to control outcomes would only lead to panic when we fail. And such panic would be a major obstacle to the offer we are there to make. So asking an institution to go on supporting a practice that is detached about certain sorts of outcome, unworried about control, and hopeful rather than obsessional about growing in numbers, is asking a lot. Well, to translate that last paragraph, I would suggest that even in the face of the challenges caused by this perfect storm currently swirling around us, we can be confident in who we are as the parish churches of this benefice. But that confidence needs to be sustained by a deepening relationship with the person we follow, Jesus Christ, whose identity is the Son of God. Rowan Williams reminds us, the presence of Jesus changes things, alters the shape of the world, but not by recruiting supporters. It is disciples, learners, followers that he invites, rather than supporters. You will notice that the hymns today have been chosen to reflect our themes of calling and invitation, and of Jesus being the Son of God. They reflect the meaning of the whole Epiphany season, which is about our experiencing afresh the presence of God in Jesus, his power, and his all-embracing love. So what is God calling, inviting you to do or to be? How is he inviting you to grow as a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus? How is he calling you to play a part in the work of your church? Work which involves praying for, being a presence in, 
and serving the wider communities of Richmond, Hudswell, Downholm and Mask. And is God calling you to help someone else to hear their call, to be an Eli to their Samuel? God won't ever force a response, but out of our deepening love for him, the time will come when we will find we can simply do no other. Please look out for details of our forthcoming online Lent courses, which will give us the opportunity to learn and to grow as disciples. Perhaps we will hear again Jesus say to us, as he said to others, What do you want me to do for you? Offering us the possibility of healing and forgiveness. Incidentally, in John's Gospel, these are the first words actually spoken by Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? May Lent be a time when we hear afresh his call to fullness of life in his service. So come and see. Thanks be to God. Amen.